Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Mike and Kenny Learn to Talk. You welcome did it. You found back. us. For some reason, you're still here. I guess you're just a glutton for punishment. And you know what, Kenny? So are we. Yes, we are. Because this week's podcast is about Dark Souls. Ooh. Now, for those who don't know, Dark Souls is a series of video games made by uh, From Software. <laughs> those of you who don't know, who's those of you who be don't listening know. to this that don't know, I, I don't know, my mom maybe. <laughs> okay. She probably knows about Dark Souls. Yeah, at this point, me, she's yeah, got to she, know about Dark Souls. About at this point, she's probably played it. I have no <laughs> idea. She had my Xbox for a while. So I don't know what she does. Um. But yeah, uh, me and Kenny are both pretty big fans of the Dark Souls games, uh, and we figured it'd be fun to talk about them. Yeah, definitely. Our experience with um, them. Yeah, they're both they're really good games. Uh, uh, both really good games. <laughs> there are more than two games. It's a trilogy. Uh, but they're they're really fun games. And uh, once I started playing the first game, it would have mm-hmm. been it's like a game that I never would have played at that time. Right. So it's something completely different, but it was. Like it grabbed me right away. It was such a good game. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, it, it's the Dark Souls series is definitely unique, and uh, I think that's why it stands out to a lot of people. So I guess we could just start out talking about how we got into the series. Sure. Um, do you yeah. want to start or should I? Um, I could start because it's okay. uh, probably a bit simpler. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Mike says is complex and stupid, so we're just gonna. <laughs> um. So. Mike was the one who introduced me to uh, Dark Souls. Um, the first interactions that I had with the game are the interactions I normally have with any game. I was watching Mike play it, so I, I watch him play. I watched him play a ton of games when we were younger, um, and it's like, yeah, this game's awesome. It's so cool. You're fighting baddies with awesome swords. You got sick armor on it, but it's like never a game that I thought I would like ever play. You right, know? right. So at first, Mike had me try it once. I forgot about that. I yeah. didn't have you make a profile. There. Yeah, so oh, I yeah. tried it. I was at his his uh, his house, <laughs> and I, I made a profile on his Xbox, and I started playing through. And I'm like, man, this is it's just hard, <laughs> and I'm not getting anywhere. It's you know, it's just terrible. I, not terrible, but it's just not. I couldn't feel it. I wasn't yeah, in, yeah. into it. So I just like played it for like an hour, and I was like, yeah. It's, it's, it's alright. I gave like a sneezy answer to Mike like, eh, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. I, guess, I don't know. I better play it again. But no intention of ever playing it again. Um, it's another stupid thing Mike showed me. <laughs> but beyond that, when did I pick it up again? I It was in college. Yeah. So I think it was my freshman year of college. I picked it up again. And I don't, I have no idea why. I guess I just wanted a challenge. I wanted yeah, to do something. Yeah, So I was like, you know what? I got to play this game. Mike loves this game. He just raves about it all the time. So I picked up Dark Souls 1 again. was playing it in between like classes and work. And man, I was so addicted to it. I was god-awful at it. <laughs> but I was so addicted to it. Pulls you it. in. It was like, I, that's all I did. I went to, went to school, went to work, came home, played Dark Souls for... Till like one in the morning, yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was so good that just getting destroyed and beat like so many times, and then finally winning, like ooh, <laughs> like it's it's such a good feeling, and that's what that game. It's the best game at doing that. Yeah, it, it does like, reward. I've very never well. played a game that is more rewarding than that game. Right, um, and then beyond that, it's like mainly 
now I'm playing Dark Souls 2. We kind of stopped that, but Dark mm-hmm. Souls 3 with... I play that with Mike and one of our other buddies. And it's it's so fun. Uh, it's, yeah. it's fun playing the game with friends. It's fun playing the game alone. It's just such a rewarding game. But that's, that's essentially how I got into the series. It's all because of Mike. <laughs> well, because of me. Well, you know, funny enough, the reason I got into the series was because of our mutual friends uh brian and octar because back in the earlier days of high school when brian had a certain girlfriend yes who we won't name (laughs) gotcha uh we were hanging out at uh brian's girlfriend's house and i guess her dad was really into demon souls okay so that demon souls was like the the first souls game that from software came out with and it it was like a playstation 3 exclusive Mm -hmm. so of course i never played it i never had a playstation 3 but um brian was showing me demon souls and I guess Octar had seen it too and known about it, and they were kind of playing it. And I was looking at this game, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I don't recall seeing a lot of it, but they show, the hub world in that game is called The Nexus. Yeah. And they were showing, like, um, Brian's girlfriend's dad's profile, his character, who is like an endgame character with all this insane armor, <laughs> that sword that was bigger than, like, 30 men combined. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> Dark Souls is pretty good at that. Any Souls game right? is yeah. good at having crazy weapons. So that kind of piqued my interest, but again, not having a PlayStation 3, I could never pick it up, so I was like, well, okay, I guess this is another game I can't play. Um, but then later down the road, Dark Souls came out, I believe it came out in 2011, like earlier 2011, uh, and that was the year that, that was like my last year of high school, like going into college. Mm-hmm. And Brian had bought the, like, collector's edition for it. Like, because you know him. Like, anytime a game comes out that he's even kind of interested in, he pre-orders the big Prima collector's edition that has, like, the statue and all this stuff. He, he's good with money is what I'm saying. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> this guy, impeccable. But I, he didn't really play much of it. Mm-hmm. I think he ran into the same problem that I would soon run into as well, which is why he said, like, hey, why don't you take it with you to college and play it? And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> So I popped it in uh, one day, and um, I played through it. I, I got through the tutorial with a bit of trouble, but I got through it. And after the tutorial of Dark Souls, it lands you into Firelink Shrine. Right. And from there, that's when you're supposed to kind of explore a bit and find the path that you know you should take. But I didn't know what the path was, <laughs> so what do I do? I just go straight down to where I see a graveyard, and there's a bunch of bones lying on the ground, and those bones animate, and then I, I get destroyed by skeletons. So I say, this game's dumb. This game's really dumb. So I just put it down and stopped playing it for a while. Mm-hmm. But then at some point, I think it was the same reason you went back to it. I was like, uh, probably playing some random game. And I was like, this is not challenging in the slightest. I, I need something to actually like push me. Sure. And I looked back to Dark Souls and I was like, yeah. I'm going to do it this time. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm going to win. And so I picked it up and then from there it was just addiction. Like I remember once I found the path I was supposed to go and I was making real progress. I was like, ooh. Like even before I was killing a boss, I was like, I'm making progress. I found the bonfire. I don't know. It felt so good. And Mm -hmm. like no game made me feel that good for doing something as trivial as getting a bit further. Right. uh, Yeah, I don't know. It was like like drugs. It was like drugs, I'd say. (laughs) Just like drugs. A little little, little like drugs. Dark Souls. Drugs. A bit like drugs. 
But yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. It's... So I mean, we we both like got introduced to the game in like the same way, and we kind of had like the same experience yeah. when we first yeah. started playing it. Well, it's funny because I think that's a, an experience a lot of gamers have when yeah. they try a Souls game. They'll pick it up and then they won't know what to do or how to play it, and they'll get wrecked. And they'll be like, "Okay, yeah, that's real fun, just getting killed all unfair like." But then you pick it up again and realize, "Wait, that wasn't unfair at all. I was being stupid. If I just roll here, the guy can't hit me, right. and then I could get him in the back." So you learn the enemy attack patterns, and it, it yeah, it just kind of clicks. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a a flow, yeah, like water. Gotcha. So, so one question that I have, and just so the listeners know, I'm not like super knowledgeable on like all the the Dark Souls or Souls games. Mm-hmm. So what what classifies a Souls game? Because it's not just Dark Souls. There's right, like a whole right. like is it a genre? I don't, you know, I don't know, at this point, it almost is. So what like the fan base refers to like those FromSoft games is they call them uh, Soulsborne games. Okay. So it covers the Souls games plus Bloodborne. Gotcha. Um, and, and really, so the, the whole deal was from software, from my understanding, they had a, a contract with Sony, so that's why Demon Souls was only on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think after Demon Souls had some like it, relatively big success, not not nearly as big as Dark Souls, but that definitely got from software on the map. And I think they thought like you know we we could probably go much bigger than this. Uh, so that's why they made Dark Souls, which is very similar, but it's it's more like a spiritual successor instead of a sequel. Like the Dark Souls games don't take place in the same universe as Demon Souls, gotcha. but gameplay wise, they're very very similar. Okay, and it's same deal with Bloodborne. Bloodborne's completely separate from Dark Souls, like lore and story wise, but you know gameplay wise, it's got similar mechanics. Makes sense. So, so, so Souls is basically a mechanic, mechanic. Yeah, theme, it's just kind of how the game plays. Okay. you know, and, and and now the like companies besides From Software that make games like that, they, we call them like Souls-like games because okay, you know. so, so you got the road, you got the right, roadway, right, you got right. the Souls, you got the Souls-like exactly. Okay. But um, yeah, so I I don't know. Do you want to kind of talk through um like the first game, a bit about the second, a bit about the third? And sure. We can kind of explain our experiences there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what was cool about the the first uh, Dark Souls? I played that game by myself. Yeah. Um, yep. So I didn't have that experience with any of the other games yet. It's gonna <laughs> happen someday. Someday it will happen. But it's playing that game by yourself. And not knowing anything, mm-hmm. it's, it's several different emotions that happen. It is <laughs> immensely frustrating. Like, throw controller, break controller, break monitor, frustrating for sure. <laughs> break monitor, beat wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Right. But at the same time, once you get past. See, the only hurdle you have to get past to start liking the games is you have to have one success in those games. Right. That success came from the tutorial level, the the demon... The, the asylum demon? Yeah, yeah. Asylum, de- asylum demon. Asylum demon. Asylum demon. Yes. 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 Once... Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll have to do a whole podcast in that voice. So we're like, yeah, let's welcome Mike and get him into the phone. Once I, once I killed that boss... Yeah. That, that that pretty much sold it. It's right. like, I've done something that has been very, very difficult, and I've been super frustrated, but I was mm-hmm. able to figure out how the game works. And 
become better at the game to beat this boss. Yeah. It's like, that is the best feeling, like, you could have. Like, most games, it's just like, you just do it. It's like, you don't right. have any problems. You just right. do it, and nothing is going to be thrown and, at and you where you can't is like, accomplish a, stuff. A lot of other games do difficulty so differently. Where mm-hmm. and, and don't get me wrong. Like, Dark Souls, like, yeah, a boss has a bigger pool of health, and they do a lot of damage. But the real difficulty is in the way they attack. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you take a game like Skyrim, and, and mind you, I'm not bashing Skyrim. It's a great game for what it does. Right. But its version of difficulty is, well, you, you're just whacking each other with swords, and now this guy's a lot more health. Yeah. So now you got to whack them longer. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it doesn't change like the fighting com- yeah. combat. The enemies aren't attacking you differently. Right. Like- and a lot of games do that. You know, I think gamers give it the name like artificial difficulty, mm-hmm. where th- it's not hard to fight this person. What makes it hard is the fight lasts forever because your attack just does nothing to them. And that's what like most modern games are struggling yeah. with now, yeah. especially uh, games that they're like trying to make RPG shooters and stuff. Yeah, definitely. that is the biggest biggest problem because it's just like uh, what's a great example? Tom Tom Clancy's uh, one of Tom Clancy's games, not the Ghost Lands, the uh-huh. one before that. Oh, uh, uh, God, I, I know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, Can't it's like Apocalypse City or something like that. Is it the, the division? The yeah, the division. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, yep. So that's like one of the biggest examples. It's like the game. It's cool concepts, stuff like this. But it's like you get to enemies and how they make them difficult. You just shoot them a bunch. Yeah, they're just bullet and, sponges. And they're trying to make it a realistic game. Right. You shoot people with guns. It's gonna kill them instantly. <laughs> like that. That doesn't make a game tough. To make a shooter yeah. tough. And now we're getting way off topic, but right. I'll continue. To make a shooter tough. You don't <laughs> you don't make it so bullets don't do anything. You make it hard to shoot. Actually, you yeah, make you, it difficult. You make it, the enemies actually use proper tactics exactly. and use cover and stuff yeah. like that. That's that's why all shooters, if they're going to make a, a shooter right and want to make a shooter difficult, um, you make it realistic. Mm-hmm. So some of the Ghost Recons, the older Ghost Recons, are great games because they're difficult. They use stealth tactics. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Now, branching off again, oh boy, Mike, you might have to stop me here. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, if you go to something like Call of Duty, that game they're not intending to be realistic right, in, any, right. in any way. That is meant for purely competitive play. Yeah. I don't see this as like a, a realistic shooter in any way. It's like this, you know how much health each enemy has, so mm-hmm. you have to figure out how many times you have to shoot them, and you know how many times you have to shoot each person and go to the next one. Yeah. So different concepts of games, but... right. A lot of companies screw it up and think just giving someone yeah, more yeah. health makes it more difficult. Yeah, and, and circling Basic back to point. Dark Souls, <laughs> like it, what it does so well is that every enemy has their own specific attack pattern, so that makes it difficult to overcome. So you really got to analyze what you're doing. And, and the thing is, with Dark Souls, the, the gameplay is a lot more methodical than I think a lot of other games are. Because you, you think of, you know, third-person... RPG, action RPG games, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a lot of hack and slashing. But Dark Souls, if you hack and slash, you're going to get your hack <laughs> slashed, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a bad tactic. Because you got a stamina meter, so you can only attack for so long until you're mm-hmm. out and then you're screwed. And for another, like, you're, it's not, it's not super fast-paced. Now, From Software has made more fast-paced games since then with Bloodborne and even Dark Souls 3. 
but even then, it's it's not like a Devil May Cry game where you're just like spinning around doing right. crazy stuff. Like you you're attacking kind of like a normal person would attack with like a sword or axe or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the battles are a little more slower paced, which gives you time to analyze what's happening. And I guess a lot of games, you know, especially you know with shooters, a lot of people call them like Twitch shooters because like you just kind of react when you see an mm-hmm. enemy and shoot. So a lot of times you don't have the ability to really plan out a proper tactic but right. that, that's kind of what dark souls is all about you got to figure out enemy attack patterns you got to be aware of your surroundings i mean honestly most of my deaths in dark souls games have been due to gravity <laughs> with all these falls <laughs> oh believe me you're, you're the king i'm the king of that yeah i know yeah um and, and that i think that's why when i started playing dark souls one i was like this is like a completely different breed of game that i've like I don't think since the days of like NES, I've really had to like think about what I'm doing and how exactly I'm going to get past that obstacle. Right. Yeah. That's that's a very good point, and that's I w- I was very a very shallow gamer, and I would think Dark Souls is one of the games that got me out of that shallow trend. Yeah. Because um, that's one of the first like different types of games I started playing. It's probably a bad one to start with, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what? What were we? What did we start this whole tangent off with? Well, okay, so we were just kind of gonna talk about our experiences playing Dark Souls One, and then move on to the other games. I think. Okay. Um. So okay, well, (laughs) let let me ask you this then. Um, So Dark Souls One, I consider it to be a, a, a. absolutely fantastic game it's not perfect i don't believe mm-hmm. that a perfect game even exists but to give you kind of a jumping point why don't you talk about a little bit of the your, your favorite moments in dark souls and then mm-hmm. your least favorite things that you think could have been tweaked or you know okay changed. um so my favorite moment of dark souls one was the smog and ornstein fight yeah that's a big one um that was that was my favorite moment, most difficult moment, and probably even the most frustrating moment mm-hmm. as well. But that fight, you go into it and you're like, this fight is so unfair. Like, how does this make any sense? But when you like actually start analyzing it, it's like, okay, these guys are working together. They both have their weaknesses. Yeah. I could do this. Yeah. Takes 50 tries, takes 100 <laughs> tries. I don't know how many tries it took, but it was too many. But it's that fight was so well crafted. Mm-hmm. That it was like right on the brink of being impossible, but then it's like okay, you just gotta focus and you can get you can finish this for sure. Yeah, um, that was that was by far the best moment of Dark Souls for me. Mm-hmm. For Dark Souls one, worst moment I think the worst moment is pretty much the same for every Dark Souls one player. I forget the name of the Blight Town. Blight Town. Blight Town. Yeah. I think that's the pretty yeah. standard. Yeah, that's just. They should have caught that. They should have fixed that. That is purely... And, I mean, even without all the bugs in it, it would probably still be the worst part. Yeah, um, I think so. But just how buggy it was, how terrible the frame rates were. Oh, it, it was... It was plummeted. It was like a slideshow. It, it was almost impossible to play it. And I was just like, all right, 
I gotta get through this. I fell off those <laughs> scaffolds so many times. So many oh, times. And those dudes with the toxic like blow oh darts, god. like God, man, oh, and terrible. constant mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes like, flying at you. Guys standing on top of ladders, just knocking it's, back. It's off. funny because Blighttown should have been an important area because the the boss there, Quaylog, is mm-hmm. the boss you fight before you rain the second bell that's of awakening. That's the spider. Yeah, yes, yeah, the spider. Okay. And the second bell of awakening is a big deal because, like, when you go down to Firelink Shrine, and if, if you talk to the guy who's just sitting there like a weirdo, he tells you that your goal right now is to ring the two bells of awakening, one above, one below. And actually, the the knight you meet at the beginning of the game says a similar thing. Mm. So you know, like, right now you know that's your goal. So that should have been a big moment, but because Blighttown <laughs> was so bad, it becomes like this transition period. You just try your fastest to get through. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think you're right too. Even without the frame rate issues and all that stuff, I don't think it would be a fun area anyway because it's just a poison swamp. It's like right. the design isn't really great. It's mm-hmm. just this big open area with a swamp and then like other little scaffoldings and things like that. And it's like this. Uh, it's not fun. It's just tedious. Exactly tedious and just even the enemy design in that yeah. area. It's I don't want to say cliche because it's not by any means. It's no, just, no. It's, it's just frustrating and. Not difficult, frustrating, just yeah. annoying, frustrating. Well, in, in the, like the enemies are designed in such a way that you can almost feel the game designer saying, like, oh, you know what would be so annoying right. if we put this there? And they're like, all right, let's do that. Well, and maybe maybe they thought maybe this was their whole grand scheme because mm-hmm. if you made it to that point already, they knew you were going to finish the game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. maybe they're just trying to throw this, like... All right, we're just going to make them hate themselves for a bit before they get to, like, this super cool boss fight or yeah, something. Yeah, you got to wonder if part of them really does just, like, have a little, like, get a sick kick out of it. Like, oh, yeah, they're going to gonna hate this. All right, make it so it runs like shit. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they didn't do that. That would have been terrible. No, no. And, in fact, you know, I, I've since gotten Dark Souls on PC and Playtime doesn't have any frame issues. Yeah, I, should, so. I should probably replay that on pc yeah well i I definitely gotta replay that and then you could uh play the dlc too which you've never gotten to do that's true yeah um yeah but for me so i I agree with you with blighttown being one of the worst areas in the game Mm -hmm. also uh the other area it's i can't even think of what it's called it's like the lava like demon ruins area towards the end of the game Oh, with that! Oh, yeah. Yeah, that okay. Is, see, okay. The thing with that area and, and like that boss, like Bat of Chaos, which is mm. the worst boss in the game. Um, yeah, th- that area was I, I know for a fact was rushed. Mm-hmm. They, they they didn't get to finish it how they wanted to, which is a shame. Uh, that happens a lot in the gaming industry. So, at least that area. While I, I wish they would have extended Dark Souls so they could actually finish it, uh, I can at least say with confidence that that wasn't their vision. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Blighttown. That's probably exactly what they <laughs> wanted. But that, that sure, yeah. lost Isolith de- Demon Ruins place, that, that wasn't exactly what how they wanted it to be. So yeah. that, that's a part of the game where I think the quality dips quite a bit. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, now that you say that, I, I remember that being yeah. a bit... Eh. And, and it's one of the areas I remember the least, too, because it's just not super memorable. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, like, my favorite moments in the game, I, I agree with you with Ornstein and Smog, and I think actually the entirety of Anne Orlando was such a big moment. Anne Orlando is so cool to me. Um, just sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. Um, but when I walked in there, I, I'm i upset that I didn't pay as much attention to the lore, because mm-hmm. I really want to wanna understand it, but that's just not really the type of gamer I am, yeah, unfortunately. Sure. 
Um, but when I went into Anna Orlando, it's like you start it, man, this this town or this city is beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. And then I killed, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, the, the the like fire keeper there that was the one. No, in no, the the oh, list, the, oh. sis, the princess. Yes, sister, yes, yes. Oh uh, God, it's uh, Guinevere. Gu- yes, Guinevere. I killed her. It was a complete accident. I accidentally threw a knife at her. <laughs> accidentally, took a knife right at her. Complete... I stood up from the bonfire. I accidentally <laughs> clicked the button. I threw a knife right at her. So she dies. But then just seeing the city change. Yeah, and I had no idea why right. it changed. I was like, this is incredible. Like, I was just blown away by it, and I had no idea why it was happening. Yeah. And actually, uh, remember that, because later on I want to talk a bit about lore, and I can tell mm. you the whole sure. story yeah. behind that. But, um, yeah, no, it's just that, so, when, in the game, when you ring the two bells of awakening, that opens the area to Sen's fortress, and you go through that fortress, and by the time you get to the end, you're just on this platform after killing a boss, like, okay, what now? And there's this little, like, glowy circle you activate, and then you're like, uh... And these gargoyles come down, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and they just grab you and pull you up, and you're like, ah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, what's gonna happen? But then, like, you get over this mountainscape, and you just see this sprawling white city, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That is wow. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 makes you kind of awestruck, and it's it's such a cool moment. And then like you're just walking down, and like it, the thing that what's so cool about it is like the entire area you see. I mean that that city that it's all places you can go to. And at one point, you're even walking on the rafters just to get around where mm-hmm. you need to go. That like it, the worst part of that city is those archers. Yeah. Oh my god. That part. <laughs> Always pisses me off. <laughs> but I, I've since found, I think, a pretty foolproof way to get past it. You just got to be good with your dodges. But um, other than that, like that, that entire area is just, it's so, it, it feels much larger than you in so many ways. Yeah, You're like, that's a good way to put you, it. You feel like you enter this like a realm, well, and it really is. It's, it's like a city of gods, and you, you feel it when you're there. You're like, man, this place was not meant for me. <laughs> and so it just feels so cool to be there. And then, yes, when you fight Ornstein and Smog, and they just they wreck you over and over and over again, and you start crying, and then you, you know, you beat your wife again. And then you go back, and <laughs> you finally, <laughs> finally beat them, and you're like, yes. Oh, it feels so good. Uh-huh. And what's cool about that fight, too, is like, it, it's kind of a choose your own adventure type I thing. I know. Because depending on who you kill, yes. the other person will absorb them and it's a completely different fight from there. So uh-huh. it's, you can make it a lot harder for yourself, in my opinion, if you let Ornstein live because he's a monster. I tried doing that. It's I tough. wanted to, I wanted Ornstein, because I, I knew you were going to get something good after that fight. Yeah. The first couple mm-hmm. times, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get one of their armors and mm-hmm. one of their weapons. Do I want the fat guy's armor and the fat guy's <laughs> hammer or do I want that sick ass spear and that sick armor? I want that. Oh, Ornstein stuff. But I tried a few times. I was like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's really hard. Well, it's, it's hard because he's so much faster. So you're trying to kill Smog first, and he's just constantly wailing right. on you. So yeah. that's what makes it really difficult. But yeah, that that was one of my favorite moments. And I think of the very ending of the game, fighting Gwyn himself. Mm-hmm. That is, to this day, still one of my favorite endings of a game. And I'll, I'll tell you why. So this whole time... In this game, you're fighting these larger-than-life bosses with this crazy epic music right, playing, yeah. and you're just like, oh, this is insane. And at the very end, you know you're going to fight Gwyn, this lord of fire. You've seen his statues all over the game. You've heard about him in dialogue, all this stuff. You know it's going to happen. And you go in there, and there's no cutscene. 
you know, there's no pomp and circumstance to it. It's just Gwyn there next to the, you know, first flame. And he, he just starts attacking you. And there's no epic music. It's just a piano. Right. It's very calm. It's an odd calm to it. And it's because Gwyn, I mean, he's dying. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to keep that flame kindle much longer. That's why you're there. You're supposed to either do his job for him or just get rid of him and say, screw the flame. But it, for a game that was had all these huge moments, this what should be the biggest moment almost becomes one of the smallest. And it's... I don't know. It's it feels like a very introspective fight. It's just so different from what you would yeah, expect. Yeah, and even the design of him. Not saying that the design of him is bad by any means. Right, it's, but it's really cool. But it's less grand yeah, than anyone well, would expect. And you can you can tell he's like old and kind of fragile right. and just not at his best. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm just beating up a sick old man right now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I, you know, it, it I just didn't com- even think about it right. that way, but like remembering back to when I did, it it just felt like it didn't belong. I yeah, guess. It, it, it didn't feel like it fit, but it was. It didn't feel like it fit, but it was fitting at the same point. Well, because the whole time Dark Souls just like takes your expectations and just like <laughs> slaps yeah, it right out of you. Right. That's good foley, and <laughs> and so it's just the best way to end the game to be like, I this is not how I envisioned this fight. You know, right? Yeah. And it worked so well, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, that, that I'm glad you brought that up. That's that's really interesting. And when I do a second playthrough of that game, that's that's something that I really got to pay attention to. Yeah, so I, I I remember experiencing that a little bit, but not entirely because I was right. probably playing the end at like twelve at night or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, you're playing it day, like I just got to beat this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, going back just a, a smidge to Anorlando. Mm-hmm. That's something that the Dark Souls, even the trilogy, does so well. They're so good at creating these grand, like, landscapes. And it's it's impeccable. And it's, like, the Dark Souls, like, graphical stuff, it's not the best out of, right. by any means of any game. But the environments that they create, it's mm-hmm. just, like, awestrucking. Like, uh, yeah. Dark Souls 1 is definitely, like... Uh, Anorlando, stuff like that. Mm. And Dark Souls 2, Majula, is just beautiful. It, it, it's gorgeous. It's incredible. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what's Dark Souls 3? What's a, what's a good area in Dark Souls 3? Oh, well, incredible. there's... Well, I mean, uh, what I would say is uh, Irithyll, the Boreal Valley. Yes. When you go in there and it's just this, like... You feel like you're in Disney World and just yes. that blue glowing sky. Exactly. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... They create these landscapes and they're so creative. It's nothing like yeah. I've ever seen before. And it's just like... Wow, that's really <laughs> that's cool. That's Nito. <laughs> Nito's a boss, by the way. Grave Lord Nito. Wow, man, nice transition. Thanks. Well, it's, not transition it's not transition to anything, but it's a pun, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, man. Uh, those games, I just love them so much. Uh, okay, so I guess we we can kind of move on for so the people who are listening know I I've beaten Dark Souls two. And I'm actually playing through the Scholar of the First Sin version right now. Um, Kenny hasn't. He does mm-hmm. have the game, and we, we started a co-op playthrough of it. And we, we didn't get super far, but we got a decent amount in. So I, I guess we can talk a bit about it. Sure, yeah. And because and I, I think we're on the same page with Dark Souls 2, where 
by itself, I think it's 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 a good game. I'm not going to say it's bad because it really isn't. Right. It's it's a solid game, but it's obviously the black sheep of the Soul series. Definitely. Because uh, Miyazaki, the the creator of Dark Souls, he, he he wasn't the visionary behind that game. He was, I think, actually working on Bloodborne while people were working on Dark Souls mm. Two. So Dark Souls Two was kind of like the B team taking it over, <laughs> and so it's different. It it yes. feels very different. That I. And I think that was the main thing for me. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I I didn't get super engrossed into the lore. I, I still want to, but that's yeah. just not the gamer that I am right. um, when, I, when I pick up a game. And just the feel, how the game felt so different, that was the biggest turnoff for me. Yeah. It's like, since I was playing with Mike, I was having a ton of fun. But the game itself, it just felt different. It didn't feel as tight. It didn't feel as precise as Dark Souls 1. And I was like... It could be so great, and it just isn't. It's it's got a certain Uh, clunkiness to it, as if like, and and, I mean, Dark Souls One is like this in a similar way too, where your attacks have a lot of wind up and stuff uh like that. But Dark Souls Two, even beyond that, it feels like everything you do has a slight delay to it, as if like you were to like attack or roll or something, and there's. It's it's uncanny. You wouldn't even be able to tell just by looking, but you could feel, and you're like, something isn't right. It's like right. it's not one to one somehow. It's it's it just feels kind of clunky. Yeah, and then there's like several like little tiny design things that they threw into this game yeah. for some reason that just don't make sense. Like uh, yeah. Estus and life gems for some right. Uh, it doesn't. It's stupid. Like it is. it's so dumb. Like why'd you do that? It it just makes the experience. A lot, and there's several other ones. I, that's the only example that's coming to my mind right now. But just those like little things that they decided to put in for some reason, but it just didn't work. Yeah, it's like they're trying to reinvent the wheel, and it's like these are the things in the game that aren't broken. Why try to fix those? Right. You know, yeah. like a big thing for me was they added in. I was talking to you about this mm-hmm. on the stream. did. They added in that new stat adaptability. And what that does is it, it does a few things, but the main thing is it like adds to the amount of iframes you get while rolling. So what that means is that if you want to be able to roll like you could in Dark Souls 1, you got to spend precious points on that. Otherwise, your roll is going to suck. And, and there are many times where, like, mid-roll you're getting hit just because you don't have enough iframes. You're like, why Why do you think that would be a good idea? Right. And that's, like, not a character attribute. That's, like, yeah. a game attribute. It's, it's a game mechanic yeah. that you're turning into an attribute. It so it's like, doesn't make any what? sense. Um, I don't know. It just it wasn't it wasn't good. Yeah, but I mean, going beyond beyond the, the like clunkiness of the game, mm-hmm. the enemies are still great mm-hmm. and stuff. Like they're really Absolutely. cool. Um, I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I played that game, so I'm trying to get a, a decent example. Um, one. And this happens very early in the game. Mm-hmm. The White Knight. Um, the, the, the Hide Knights, yeah. The Hide Knights. I was going to talk about them, yeah. Those guys are awesome. They, they're they're really so good. cool. And they're extremely fun to fight. Yeah. It's an aggressive, fast-paced fight. He's got several different attack mm-hmm. patterns and stuff. It's, they're just fun to fight. Uh, well, what's cool about them is how unpredictable they are. Because they're very, like kind of like lanky and just they kind of drag with their movements uh-huh. but then suddenly they'll be really fast right. and so it it makes it harder to pinpoint what they're going to do but that's what makes it fun so like oh this is i can get into this mm. yeah i think they're more difficult than black knights honestly because black knights are so predictable oh they really are yeah yeah um, for sure so yeah i really enjoyed the high knights they're they're good enemies and and 
to the game's credit, I think they knew that because with Scholar of the First Sin, they actually added in some more Hyde Knights. Because like in the original version, there's only like a handful. If you know, there's, right. there are, there aren't many, sure. but the game actually does a better job of dispersing them throughout. So yeah. So I mean, that's that's basically my feelings on the the game. It's, yeah. It, it's its own worst enemy. Yeah, I'd say. And to its credit, I, I haven't played the DLC for the, the game yet. I've heard the DLC for Dark Souls 2 is actually really, really good. Yeah. This is what I've heard. And, you know, if everybody says it, it's probably true. So I, I think that probably increases your overall quality of the game. Uh, just so far, playing through Scholar of the First Sin version, there are some changes that I think are better. So... It, Overall, uh, again, for for people interested in playing the Souls games, uh, definitely play them all. Play Dark Souls 2 as well. Uh, don't go in expecting Dark Souls 1 again, because you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But if you keep an open mind and take the game for what it is, it's going to be an enjoyable experience anyway. And like I said, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty firm believer that if not your first time, then at least at some point you should go through a Souls game by yourself. Just because it's a completely different experience, mm-hmm. but co-op is also a blast. I really enjoy playing co-op, and Dark Souls Two is a great way to do that. So if right, you know, yeah. if you have friends to play with, I, I definitely recommend. Yeah, it makes it easier to to get through those some of those clunkiness issues because yeah, yeah. you're with a buddy who's experiencing them, and you can make fun of them together. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's let's move on to Dark Souls Three. Okay. Um, so I still haven't beaten the game. Uh, we're pretty close so close, my yeah. first playthrough is we're i'm playing through with mike and brian is tagging along at some point sometimes um uh the majority of the game yeah i'm playing with mike i've done some stuff solo yeah and uh so my favorite part of the game uh, i did do solo um man you're gonna kill me for not knowing these names uh so it's the area where there's the bridge and you, when you walk across the bridge of giant beast spawns behind you oh yeah well that's in uh the boreal valley okay that is the boreal valley so that is my favorite area of that game so far yeah um enemies are super cool like the they're all like ghost enemies and stuff it's really cool and um it's a very difficult area too um i I had a lot of problems with the area just getting killed and stuff the enemies work really well together because you have the the ghosts coming at you and then you have the the like guys who spawn the fire the like pyres and yeah. whatever. It's like so they work so well together to make it just terrible for you. But then the boss at the end there, I don't know the name. Pontiff Sullivan. Pontiff, yeah. yeah. That was a really fun boss fight too because you're you're fighting him, you get him past half health, then he spawns like two guys. Right? Uh well he spawns like a ghost version a of ghost, himself. Yeah. yeah. That so fight like was phantom. was really fun. And that was that was one of the fights that I did by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would say was my my favorite part of Dark yeah. Souls three so far. Well, and, and I think even beyond that too, what's really fun, um, and I guess spoiler alert: Dark Souls three has been out for a while, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Dark Souls; you should have expected it. Yeah. So um, after you beat Pontiff Sullivan, the Boreal Valley kind of continues, and it ends up leading into An Orlando, mm-hmm. which is a cool moment for people who played Dark Souls 1. Right. Because like, you, you kind of start expecting it, and then you get to a point where you're seeing those silver archers again, and you're like, wait a minute. It feels so, so similar. Like, you yeah. go through, uh, like, you get through it by, like, an underground tunnel, right? Well... Or something like that. There is an area through an underground tunnel you can get to, but the actual Anorlando, it, it, once you get past Pontiff Sullivan, 
There's oh, like that right, area, right, right, right. and then like you go all across the rafters again. So, so the first time I started like reimagining Anerlanda yeah. was when I went through that underground tunnel. Right. And there's that archer at the top there. Yeah. I was like, this is familiar. <laughs> and they also, I don't know if you noticed, but there was also a, a painting of Guinevere too. And and like one of the knights right that's there is staring yeah, right yeah, at yeah, the yeah. painting. Yeah. That, that was a really cool moment once yeah. I walked into that area because I was like... Man, and that's coming from someone who isn't like into the game that much in the lore aspect, but it still hit me like, yeah, well, wow, this is cool. It's still something you experienced yeah. in the past. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, like I know this place. Yeah, it, yeah it's Dark Souls. The Dark Souls games are really good at doing that, of giving you that feeling of like, I've been here before, but I can tell so much has changed. You mm-hmm. know, and the thing. So, just a kind of sprout a little bit about what the Dark Souls games are kind of about. It's the idea that like the world as we know it exists due to what's known as the first flame and you know the world is like cyclical so once the flame goes out you know the the time of gods is over you never really know what happens but it's stuff's gonna repeat itself Mm -hmm. so like with each game you see areas or enemies or stuff like that that have existed in previous times but it's obviously like a time long past you know as if you're in like a alternate dimension of some sort where it's like okay this is obviously an orlando but this is like an orlando like thousands of years in the future so much has changed the the area around it is so different you know mm-hmm. it, the dark souls games are so good at doing that they they hit you like in I almost want to say nostalgia, but that's not the right word. It, it, they just—they know what you're going to remember, and they call back to it in a very good way. I don't know. It's—it's it's a sure. cool moment in the game. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, as for like worst moments of Dark Dark Soul Three, or more most like frustrating, uh, I'm trying to think of some, and you know those moments will probably come out more clear once I do play the game by myself. Yeah, because well, I'm playing with Mike, and Mike is much better than me at the game. So if I'm struggling with something, he, he's going to help me out because we're, we're doing a, a co-op run. Yeah. So those moments are going to come out more clear when I do solo it. What's mm. actually like super frustrating or something that I don't necessarily like as much. Right. Um, but I can't think of anything like that's sticking out to me right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, and honestly, and I, I did it's play It's a very the game. polished game. It, it is. And I did play through the game by myself. And I, I'm kind of with you there. I don't think there is ever a moment that I thought was like really... like. <laughs> I think Dark Souls 1 had higher highs than Dark Souls 3, but also lower lows. Like, Dark Souls 3 seems to be way more consistent across they the board. They learned from their mistakes, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I totally I, agree. That's a great statement. Yeah. it's um, So, a lot of the areas aren't, aren't as bad. I will say, Dark Souls 3 does also have a poison swamp area, but it is not nearly <laughs> as bad as Blighttown. So, uh, while I'm not a fan of poison swamps in general, I, I could go without them, but... I think they did the best for that area idea. I think they should have thought of something else, but that's just me. Yeah, uh, and I think I'm thinking of the same area that you are. It was definitely manageable. Yeah. It wasn't fun. No, it was fun, but it wasn't the best. It was manageable. I guess what was kind of neat about that area is, like, the area itself had a goal. Like, you had to, like, light those, you know, flame pyres or whatever, which which is kind of neat because, like, not often are you in an area where, like, you have an actual goal in the area itself other than get to the end it's like okay i gotta do this and that and you felt like you were on a mission yeah so th- that was a little unique and i liked that um and that also leads to the uh abyss watchers boss fight which i adore i love that boss fight a lot mm-hmm. um 
But yeah, I, I guess other than that, there's not really a, a moment in Dark Souls 3 that I'd say is particularly bad. It, it's a very solid game overall. Um, and uh, it, it is the most different, though. It is, um, it is. Than the other two. It's a lot faster. Yeah, um, well, that game came out after Bloodborne, so I think they kind of, like, melded Bloodborne with Dark Souls to make, definitely. like, kind of a hybrid. Yeah. And it's really fun to play, mm. you know. I, I mean, design-wise, we, we could talk about it all day. I'm not sure if it's... I, I can't say it's better than Dark Souls 1 just from design aspects, but I just say for pure fun level, it, it's a very fun game to play. Yeah. It, I, it feels good. I totally agree. It's... And what I won't spoil, because Kenny hasn't beaten it yet, but I will say the ending, for me, is very, very cool. Um, and definitely something to look forward to. So. Well, I think I screwed up the ending, right? Or, no, no, well, no. Well, made okay, it well, different. Well, like, what I mean is, so, like all Dark Souls games, there's multiple endings. Yeah. You do. I was trying to get you to do one ending, which didn't work out, which is, is fine. <laughs> there's tons of them. That's me just being stupid. It's a big reason why you should do multiple playthroughs, because, uh-huh. not that the endings are a huge deal, but it's kind of cool to see what changes. Um, right. But by ending, I actually mean the final boss, okay, gotcha. I think, is a super, super cool moment. Um or wait, I just thought of a, a moment that I didn't really like. Okay. Um, uh, but I don't know names. Jeez. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> uh, so it's when you're in the caves. Um, uh, you fight skeleton peoples. Uh, and then it's the big like ghosty guy. The clawy ghost guy. Oh, yeah, in the catacombs. Yes. Yeah. That guy, I was not a fan of that boss Volmere, fight. Volmir, I think is his name. I was not a fan of that boss yeah, fight. Yeah, that one wasn't too all. great. He just spits like poison at you. It wasn't even a hard one. No, it just no, wasn't. It's just, it was if just, you're in the eh. wrong area, you just die. Yeah, like, you just ah. die. It's. It, yeah, it, it seemed cheap. Like, they didn't. You know, I, no, it, it's a more gimmicky boss yeah. fight. And I. They, I FromSoft doesn't do a lot of those, and I think mm. every once in a while they try to switch it up, but it, it just never comes off as good. It's like, ah, because then it doesn't feel quite as fair. Right. And especially, because I did like the Catacombs in Dark Souls 3. Yeah, I, they're, 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 they're a lot of fun, but that boss is just like, eh. Yeah. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth yeah. after an otherwise good level. Right, yeah. So there we go. A right. critical thinking. There I thought of something. Yeah. about that? Very nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I mean, we've talked a bit about like our experience playing the you know main three games in the Dark Souls series. So now, I think it'd be kind of interesting if we just talk at least a bit about the lore. Full disclosure here: I am by no means a master of the lore. There's so much I don't know. There's so much that I'm just kind of BSing because it's like stuff I'm taking my interpretation of it. Sure. So do not take anything I say as law because it's not. This is. What I've read, what I've seen, and what I feel. Um, but that being said, I, I know you didn't pay attention to the lore so much because you were more into the gameplay aspects. But I'd like to see kind of what you think the game is about, what what connections you've made, or what importance you think certain things have. And if you have any questions for me, I would love yeah. to try to fill in blanks. So, I mean, the biggest thing that I don't really understand, and it's probably one of the most important things... Is where your character actually like fits into the world. Yeah, because it's it makes it seem like you're the hero of the world in some aspects, right? Because you are trying to save the world or save the world or not save the world. That's yeah. your main objective. Um, but it's like I don't know really where you came from. Mm-hmm. That I don't. I don't get that. Too well, much. yeah. I mean, the, the character you play as it's different in each game. Mm-hmm. 
So for like Dark Souls, for example, the first Dark Souls. Um, so the, the whole idea was that the world began being like ruled by these immortal dragons. And nothing else could really have a chance to survive. Everything else was underground. You could not go to the surface because those dragons will get you. Mm-hmm. you know? So it was basically just a, under the tyranny of these immortal creatures that you have no chance of beating. Until one day, um, these... And it was, I think, like the first flame emerged. And from that flame uh, came these like lord souls. And these souls were dispersed uh, a, a bunch uh, among a bunch of different people, like uh, Gwyn, for example, or you know, Grave Lord Nito, or whatever. They got these Lord souls that basically elevate them to godlike figures. Sure. Um, but there was one soul that they didn't get, and that this one little undead guy known as the Furtive Pygmy got, and that is the Dark Soul. And so in in Dark Soul, you you get these things; they're humanities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can use them to turn yourself back into human if you've gone hollow or all that stuff. And humanity, those shards you get are shards of the Dark Soul itself. So that Dark Soul pretty much represents humanity as a whole. And that's kind of where humans spawn from. Gotcha. Okay. So the idea is that your character in Dark Souls 1, I, I think it's kind of hinted at that you're a descendant of that pygmy who found the dark soul mm-hmm. but regardless you're you're a, a, a human and um the, the thing about dark souls which is kind of confusing is like humans you, you don't really die you turn undead and that's because of that flame that sprouted and you know as long as the flame exists you can never really die right that's what keeps yeah. you alive and that's and in my opinion, that's your ultimate goal. Yeah. Like, that's your decision point. Right. The but the thing is, it, it's it's a double-edged sword. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Because mm-hmm. in one hand, you could say, like, okay, that's good. I can never really truly die. But you can go completely insane. Because if you right. stay hollow for too long, you, yep. you will lose everything that makes you human. Mm-hmm. So it's both a good and bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Um, but anyway, the, the whole idea, and the game tells you from the beginning, there's this idea that there's a chosen undead among the, you know, countless undead. Who is whose purpose is to overcome Lord Gwyn, who is currently trying to fuel the first flame with his own soul, right. which is slowly killing him, so he can't do it forever. Mm-hmm. And, and the gods, Gwyn, all those people, they, they fear that flame going out because that flame is what gave them power. Mm-hmm. And they fear what's going to happen if they lose it. So... But, you know, at the same time, it's killing him. It's turning him crazy. You know, it's turning everyone crazy, really. Uh, so... The idea is some chosen undead is going to come along and either, you know, take Gwyn's place and keep that flame going or say, forget the flame, let it die out. And the age of man, the age of dark will come into play. Right. Um, And as it turns out, that ends up being your character. But the nice thing about Dark Souls is I guess it really could have been anyone, you know. And so many of the NPCs you meet along the way are trying to do the same thing and they all fail. Right. You manage to succeed. And in Dark Souls 2, you're like this cursed undead, and that's its own thing. And in Dark Souls 3, you are uh, what's known as Unkindled Ash. So you are actually a character who tried to kindle the first flame, but you failed. You, you died. You didn't succeed. Gotcha. But you've been brought back to life now. And you've been brought back to life by the flame itself saying, I need to stay alive. I'm bringing everything back to life so that someone can kindle me. Yeah. Because now those like people who have the Lord's souls, they don't want him anymore. They said, screw it. And that's what Dark Souls 3 is all about. Like The people who should have been kindling at it are saying, no, they don't want him anymore. Right. 
So that's kind of a spiel for your different characters. Sure. Yeah, and that I mean that helps out a lot. And I don't know. I would call myself a pretty selfish gamer, mm-hmm. um, which is a bad thing. I mean. I appreciate these games so much to a mechanical level, um, but there's so much more that could be appreciated within these games that I really want to tap into, but I'm just not used to it um, because I'm used to playing very shallow games. (laughs) Yeah, well, but I think that's the beauty of Dark Souls in general is you you can make it whatever you want it to be. Like, if if you're just looking to play a fun, hard game, that's all you need to do. There's no reason to dig too deep into Mm. it. But if you're the kind of person who likes that and you want to learn more, then take the time. Read item descriptions, listen to dialogue, really pay attention to where you're going, and it's super rewarding. Because Dark Souls lore... It's very confusing, and I'm very bad at explaining it, but it's super interesting and really cool because it adds so much more weight to everything you do right. in the game. Yeah. Because then you'll be like, oh my god, I know who this is, I know their backstory, and I know what's going on here. So suddenly when you kill a boss, it, it, you get the satisfaction of beating someone hard and also knowing that importance of who that was and right. what yeah. the consequences are now uh-huh. that they're gone. Um I'll I'll tell you the same thing. I think I've told you before, too. Uh, For people interested in the lore and want someone better at explaining them, there's actually two channels you can go to. One is a YouTuber called Epic Name Bro, who does a lot of Dark Souls playthroughs, and he also did lore videos in the past. And you can watch his playthroughs and listen to him talk about the lore as he goes, or you can watch the lore videos themselves and learn about it. And there's another guy named Vadi Vidya who... Has a very soothing, like, British voice, I think, or whatever. <laughs> but he, he does a fantastic, like, lore-only videos, and uh, th- those are a good watch, too. And, you know, I recommend it if you're bored and interested. Yeah, definitely. Because it is. It's, it's cool stuff, for sure. Um, I don't know. Are there any other, like, questions or, or at least things you've that stuck out to you that you're curious about or that you think you might be able to connect? I'm trying to think. Um, you know... Uh, I guess we could go back to Dark Souls uh, 1 since I brought mm. it up earlier. Um, so the Anorlando. Anor yeah. Once you right, kill right. Uh, Guinevere? Guinevere, yeah. Guinevere, yeah. <laughs> Once you kill her, what what is actually happening? Because that's not actually Guinevere. Right. I know that much. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> so you so know. what was it like actually happening there? So the implications are, so you notice that when you kill her, like it all goes dark and the sun goes out right. too. So the deal is, it's all an illusion. There's no, actually, it's sun hitting that part. Like, that place is covered in pure darkness. Um, and be, that's all due to uh, Guinevere's brother, Gwendolyn. So, for those who don't know, Gwyn, uh, like, the, the guy who, like, started it all, the, the main boss and everything, he, he had three children. The firstborn, who had uh, gone against Gwyn's back and, like, helped out the dragons. So mm-hmm. he's been, like, taken out of the annals of history. Nobody knows his name anymore. If he ever had a name, it's just gone. Uh, you've you, you probably noticed in... Um, if you go on Orlando, there's, like, statues go up and there'll be, like, a spot where a statue's missing. That was the firstborn that they mm-hmm. just took out of it. Um, so there's him. There's Guinevere, the, you know, the girl, you know. Right. And then there's Gwendolyn, um, 
the third born son who was born like under the moon, which is kind of like a, a womanly thing. So he was pretty much raised as a woman. Gotcha. And because of that, I think has a lot of resentment for his father and just things in general. But in any way, he's basically taken over in Orlando now, but he's, he's a magician. Um, so he casts this illusion upon the land to make it look like Guinevere is still there, that everything's okay, that Orlando is a beautiful, amazing, mm-hmm. powerful city it once was. But it's all a complete lie, and you can actually go down and uh, fight Gwendolyn himself. Uh, you know that, like, rotating platform? Right. If you bring it all the way to the bottom, there'll be an area with another bonfire there, and there'll be this, like, fog wall. And you can talk to him through it and, like, join his covenant, or you can decide to walk through and just fight him and kill him. Um, but, yeah, that's why. It's all an illusion yeah, made by okay. him. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, the... The whole like family dynamic that they bring up there, yeah. which is pretty, it's it's interesting, um, for sure. But yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't really have anything. Yeah, anything well, more. there are some things that I'd love to just like on our own time sure. talk about after you beat Dark Souls three, because there there are some answers there, and like there's one boss who's actually a uh, completely optional boss, but of course we're gonna fight him, <laughs> and once we do. I just want to see if, like, you pick up on who he might be. Okay. Because um, I, I think you can just based on what we were just talking about. I sure. think you'd figure it out. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, uh, the game's got really cool lore. Yeah, and like I said, I, I really do, once I finish Dark Souls 3, once we finish it, I think I'm going to go back to Dark Souls 1, pick mm-hmm. that up on PC. Because it's been a long yeah. time since I played that game, and I want to yeah. play through that game try and focus on the lore and uh mm-hmm. play the dlc for that game too yeah um, and, and the dlc makes it so cool too uh, again i'll try not to spoil this part for you but i will say um it, it, if you do the dlc before you go to fight sif the great wolf mm-hmm. it actually changes that fight and like the cutscene you get and for a reason too, you find out why. But it's another really cool thing, and that's it's so cool. It's not often that like when a game adds DLC, that DLC can affect part of the main game. Right? Too. Yeah, that is it's, that is cool. It's a that. little attention to detail that I think is really well done. That FromSoft is really good with. They they really pay attention to that stuff. Sure. But I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of what we got to say about yeah. The I mean, they're great games. If you haven't played them, play them. Yeah, and I, I've heard. Like, Bloodborne apparently is, like, a masterpiece. I've played some of it. Again, I don't have a PS4. Uh, maybe someday. I'd love to play it, but I've heard it's really good. Nah, I mean, it looks cool. It it's, does look cool, It's yeah. cool. But, and yeah. it is fun from what I played of it. Well, that, that was interesting. Thanks for all the, the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And anytime you got questions, I'll give you my terrible BS answers or maybe just point you off to a YouTube video. And say, <laughs> just watch that. They know what they're talking about. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and I hope you go out and play some Dark Souls, man. Yeah, absolutely. Do uh, it. I guess I'll throw this out here, too. Uh, we kind of record these a, a bit in advance. Um, but if there's ever any questions or anything you guys want us to talk about, feel free to let us know. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd love to talk about different stuff. So, hey. We like talking about stuff. Yeah, it's all part of the podcast, people. We like talking about stuff. We're real bad Did at it. Did you get that? <laughs> God! <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. All right, see you.